by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsey. Ah, uh, this is Craig Moore. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. Welcome back. We've got a heck of a show today. We're talking chronic wasting disease. We have elk season. Get your archery ready. And there's a big Mule Deer Foundation event happening next week. Let's get to it. What do you say? It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's no secret that Wyoming is home to some of the greatest fishing and hunting in the world. Wow! It's colossal. It's stupendous. It's magnificent. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. All right, we're into the middle of August, and that means that there have been some hunting seasons that have already begun, Janet, and uh, one of the topics that we definitely want to hit on so that people are uh, alert and aware, and that's the chronic wasting disease. That's right, Drew. It is that time of season, and I know that we've talked about it several times, but but here we are again, and with us today, I have one of our field biologists, Matt Heisinga who is our Douglas wildlife biologist who covers a lot of the ground that was actually kind of ground zero for chronic wasting disease in Wyoming. And so we're super happy to have him here to talk a little bit about what we're hoping hunters will help us with this fall. Just so people are clear, we talked about this a, a little bit last year, but also this isn't something new. The, the testing and the samples have been around for a long time, actually, right? Yeah, I think it was first found in Matt, you probably know more than I do, but it was first found in Wyoming in 1985. And so it's it's been around for quite some time. And, and we're just watching what has happened with our mule deer and elk herds across the state. We're looking at some different management actions. We're trying to do some education work with the public. And really what we need in order for us to help learn how to better manage our herds um, in relation to this disease is help from our hunters. The seasons have just opened, so you probably could be getting a couple of, of samples coming in now, but you talked as the the main seasons open September and October. How many will you guys go through in a year? You know, in this area, it depends on the year. So mule deer season we have, they kind of go pretty short, so we don't get a lot of samples all at once, but we've got about 20 per year through just that hunt area 65. The elk season, especially area seven, we have a lot of elk tags. It's already open for some of the early seasons. So don't know exactly the number, but we usually get between 75 to 100 samples out of that per year. It definitely helps when we're doing a intense surveillance like we are this year on the mule deer. We'll get a lot more samples in than we normally would year to year. So, Matt, how does that make sampling this year different than years past? Yeah, so this year we decided to put in the mandatory sampling in certain areas. And the big focus of that is to try to get enough samples that we can actually get a good statistical analysis done on, on the areas. So over the years, we kind of get a few samples here and there, and it's hard to really see a good prevalence. So we're trying to get a big sample size this year. The mandatory will only be in for this year for this area. 
and then we'll reevaluate next year on other areas. But you can also just check online and see if the area you are hunting is a mandatory. And if not, if you're hunting, you know, any species of deer or elk, we're always happy to take those samples because any amount of scientific um, research always helps us know more about the herds. What's the importance of these samples? I mean, what what can be told um, by getting these samples? Yeah, right now we're just trying to figure out exactly what the prevalence is in the areas that we do have CWD. We're also trying to just see if it's moving to new areas so that we can document that. And we can base our management strategies as we're going forward based on the prevalence, how much of the disease we're seeing in certain areas. So. What does it take to send in a, a sample? Is it difficult? We try to make it as easy as possible. We have kits available. If you want to take your own sample, you can just fill out the tag with all your information in there. It comes with a little cup to put the sample into for the lab. We can hand those out. We'll have check stations set up. You can contact any biologist or warden in the area and try to set up a time to sample it. You can stop by the Casper office. I believe they, they'll do it anytime 8 to 5 during the week. And then we'll have usually put out a flyer with locations of where you can get your sample, especially with the mandatory sampling, since we're trying to get everyone to submit a sample, we'll try to make it as easy as possible. And so we can take samples for you. Some of our outfitters and taxidermists take samples for us as well. And then a lot of the hunters, we've got a video on, on our website on how to take the sample. So they can take them themselves and then just get it to us or to our lab whenever it's convenient. How long of a process is it? it? Will it take a long time if somebody wants to get a sample taken? It really depends. Just to get the sample, it's usually just a couple minutes to, for one of us to pull the sample, get the information. Usually it takes longer to fill out the form than it does to actually take the sample on most of them. And then once they do get their sample and we get it submitted, it, it really depends on the workload and the timing we get it in. The lab can turn them around pretty quick usually, but they do get, kind of get inundated, especially the, most of the October. So it can usually take between two to three days up to a week to get same results back. One of the things that they're doing this year, Drew, is you should get a QR code when you test, when you submit your sample to be tested. And then you can go in as a hunter onto our um, Game and Fish website. There'll be lots of instructions on how to do it, but you will be responsible for finding your results. Oftentimes there is a delay in us getting those results back to folks. And so in order to really kind of help that process along, you know, hunters can go in, like Matt was saying, two to three days after they submit their samples and, and can start to see the results. So that's a pretty quick turnaround. And do you think with all the research that's being done, the samples that are being collected, that one day we could possibly eliminate this from from existence? I don't know that we'll be able to eliminate it. It really just depends on what tools we come out with. There may be ways that we can mitigate it and reduce the prevalence and and learn how to live with it a little better where it's not just a something that we can't do anything about like it is right now well janet matt we do appreciate it and if you have any more questions you're obviously welcome to call the casper office or check out wgfd.wild.gov there's a great section that really explains it, what you need to do to for the samples but we, we do appreciate it Welcome to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, My Country 95.5.
Well, Brian, you can kind of smell it in the air that hunting season is upon us, and Rocky Mountain Discount Sports is your one-stop shop for most anything you need hunting. Yeah, you know, the days are getting shorter, and um, the uh, nights are getting cooler, and the animals are starting to move around, and, and uh, hunting season is here. Now, one thing that I've noticed a, a lot recently, and we've talked about this a lot, but it's uh, a lot of folks are spending time in the archery uh, department, getting new strings, getting maybe new sights, and getting it all set up. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but a lot of times, you know, we, we put our bow away last season, and we're like, we, we drag it out a couple weeks before season thinking everything was good, and we forgot that, uh, you know, we put it away wet, or uh, we uh, had some, some problems, and so now we're seeing guys kind of in a rush mode that need help with uh, D-loops or new strings or, you know, just getting that new sight. Uh, and, of course, if you haven't shot it since you put it away last year, you can come here and get her all tuned in and sight it up. Yeah, we've got a 20-yard uh, range here, and so anytime that, uh, you know, we put a new site on there, we make sure everything's leveled out, but we've got a range that we can uh, confirm, and we can make sure that we can help you get it tuned. Now, archery, obviously, has started in some sections, and then September, October, to really start firing up, and then we get into to rifle, and that'd be a good time if you're looking for a rifle to, to get yourself a rifle and get inside it in and get comfortable with it. Yeah, you know the the rifle the the rifles are in stock pretty well. Ammunition's still going to be a challenge. So um, what I'm what I'm kind of telling people is that even though you maybe really like a certain uh, ammunition that you've shot over the years, if you're running low on that, you're there's a good chance you're not going to find that exact same load. So uh, if that's the case and you are running low, you might look to see what's on the shelf and get your gun recited in for, for that other ammunition. And that really is a good point too because some people may not think that the grain in the, the the shot is going to be that big of a difference, but it really could be. It can. You know, there's certain guns that just really like certain ammo and, um, and so it's good to just, you know, it's always good to find an ammunition that, that groups well and then you can get it sighted in, but um, it's going to be pretty important for guys to get in the field and not just assume that just because it's a 180 grain uh, bullet that it's going to shoot the same as your previous manufacturer or previous load. So make sure you stop by here and, and maybe uh, your boots are a little worn out and you you know don't really start hunting until September, October. you got time to break those in and you don't want to go out with a fresh pair of boots. Oh, yeah. Fresh pair, fresh pair of boots on opening days. It <laughs> tends to be a, a sore week for you. A <laughs> little blister action yep. on that and maybe not go out a second day that's right <laughs> uh so you're gonna do hunting this year you got some uh, license you're gonna go out on you know i put in for uh, one bull tag in an area close by and i did not draw it so i think it's uh, fall fishing for me oh nice well you know what rocky mountain discount sports can take care of any of your fishing needs too come up by check them out cy avenue here in casper if it's hunting fishing camping hiking whatever it is in the outdoors they got you covered in hunting outdoors my country 95.5 all right brian so over the last couple of weeks uh, you've gone out fishing you were um where were you at last night where'd you go to pathfinder, pathfinder. For, uh, yeah the little walleye leagues were running out here and then uh, i was at alcova and you had a lot better uh, action than i did <laughs> at alcova i tell you what last night uh in the three hours that we were on the water i bet you we 
probably boated 45 to 50 fish between two of us. Really? Just They're just going crazy up there. They're just, unfortunately, a very small fish. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. isn't a good thing in a league unless you're trying to get that small fish. Well, our smallest was 19 and a half. Or, I'm sorry, 9 and a half inches. And our biggest was 18. Okay. But uh, we got beat on both ends of those. So there was a, <laughs> there was a guy that caught like a 7 and a half inch walleye last uh, night. <laughs> you know what? There's Unless there's a small fish category, I've never seen so many people want to catch the smallest fish. <laughs> well, the trophy pictures sure look fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy to think this, but, you know, we've kind of been leading up to this for the last couple of weeks where August is almost over. Uh, it's going to start getting a lot cooler at night, and the days are getting shorter. So fishing is still an option, but maybe a little different. Yeah, it is. And, you know, last night we are on the water about 5 o'clock and fished till about 8.30 is when it started getting dark. And, um, man, it was beautiful out there. I mean, it was just perfect weather conditions, and uh, we had a little bit of a breeze, but not, not terrible. And, man, it just kind of reminded me how much I enjoy this fall fishing. Weather-wise, it's, it's a late spring feel to it. So are you kind of going in, into the mentality of, okay, let's go back to spring fishing or... No, this time of year, you know, the fish tend to uh, drop quite a bit deeper. So we, we always try fishing shallow because it seems like, the, you know, the, the bigger fish are usually up there feeding. And so we like to fish that, you know, three to eight foot of water. But I uh, really didn't catch much. There wasn't much going on in that depth last night. So uh, typically uh, this time of year, the deeper water. So anywhere from 15 to 40 foot of water. So you've mentioned a lot about trusting your, your electronics, and, and that really is true. Even in, when I was fishing Alcova, you could see them hitting, and then you'd automatically start getting nibbles. Yeah, so um, we, we were marking a lot of fish in that, that 40 to even 50 foot of water. And, but a lot of times, in my experience, those, those fish aren't necessarily feeding fish. They're more just resting, but they'll come up shallower to feed. So we were trying to target that deeper water and then, and then work our way out to them because um, it's always easier to catch fish shallower than deeper. But this time of year, that vertical bite, whether it's a jig and wrap or a, a hutch's spoon um, or a shiver minnow, something like that, that deep water vertical presentation actually can be pretty effective. We've talked about a first-time fisherman going out making sure you have the, the proper tools and, and equipment. Would you recommend a different setup for someone starting in the fall rather than the spring? You know, I, I don't really change my, my rod setup. Uh, rod and reel is always pretty much the same, 6.6, six, medium, fast action, still running, you know, 6 or 8-pound test line. But the presentation itself is different. So uh, if you're just getting started, instead of, you know, buying a bunch of, you know, worm harnesses, you might tend to go more with some spoons like Castmasters or that type of presentation um, because it just kind of imitates the, the what the fall bait are doing usually in these in these reservoir systems. And what I really love about Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, if, if you're starting out, you can come in and, and ask questions, and that's what they love to talk about and, and everybody here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, and we definitely can point you in the right direction. I mean, uh, it always it makes me feel pretty good when a customer comes back in, and, you know, the next day going now where's more of this you just sold us this the other day and it worked really good no one's ever sold me anything that, uh, that that's worked so we're going to put things that are, that are going to help you be successful in your hands for sure guaranteed that you're going to
to have a great time when you go out fishing. I didn't even catch a fish when I went, but just having the line in the water is enough to break a lot of psychological issues. It's you know? nice just to be able to unwind after a day of work and just go out there and enjoy some time with your buddies and, and uh, have the, the pursuit of the hunt. So. so if you're not doing some fall hunting this year, maybe try fall fishing and start it out here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you listening. And remember, if you've missed any of our episodes of the, over the last year, you can listen to them on demand inside the radio station app. Just go over there, click on demand. One of our good, close friends and uh, one of our frequent guests, Sean Blazak from the Mule Deer Foundation is... Uh, on with this this week, and Sean, there's a big reason you're on because there's a big announcement coming. Yeah, we're coming out with Black Tooth Brewing this coming week and doing three Mule Deer Paloozas in a row, and we're going to release our Mule Deer beer that Black Tooth Brewing partnered with Mule Deer Foundation on, and they're donating a portion of the proceeds back to Mule Deer Foundation so we can put more money on the ground right here in Wyoming. Um, it's a good light beer. The can's really awesome, and we encourage everyone to come out. It's a very limited run, so make sure, even if you don't get out during the week, come out afterwards and get some of that mule deer beer and, you know, get some of those cans for at home or at hunting camp. You know, it's been kind of cool over the last couple of years seeing the the added value that Mule Deer Foundation has with uh, not only Wyoming whiskey but now Blacktooth and uh, there are big things that have really picked up over the last couple of years for the Wyoming chapter of Mule Deer uh, Foundation. But what about nationwide? It's pretty big all over. Yeah, nationwide, we're pretty much in the majority of the western states. We have a few chapters back east, but last year alone, you know, we ended up doing, after matching funds and stuff, over $40 million worth of, you know, on-the-ground work throughout the west on mule deer and blacktail deer. But in Wyoming, yeah, we've definitely increased our footprint. We're trying to get more and more done. Um, we've been doing a bunch of fence projects this summer. Our biologist down in Saratoga just got through doing some seed collections so we can replant some shrubs in the burn scar down near Saratoga. You know, that big old mowing fire, we're going to help replant some of that so we get the right type of vegetation back that will help mule deer and other wildlife. So we're doing all kinds of different stuff around the state and you know, these type of fundraisers really allow us to get more done. It's not just the dollars we raise there. It's the match we get from other partners once we put those dollars on the ground that really helps. Uh, how's it looking for mule deer uh, this hunting season? Generally, throughout Wyoming, it looks great. There are some areas that had more drought than others, but overall, the state was doing pretty good this year. Um, of course, there, you know, mule deer are still not quite on the upward trend yet, but they're doing good as far as they have been. So, and with the more habitat work, with more habitat work and, you know, more work on fences and stuff, we're helping those numbers increase for the future as well. And Game and Fish does a good job managing those numbers through their, you know, license draws and such. Um, and if you ever, you know, want to comment on those, make sure you get with Game and Fish. What's um, what are some ways that folks can get involved? Because, like you said, the the population isn't where we'd like to see it, uh, you know, here in the near future. But what other avenues can people take to get uh, money to uh, Mule Deer Foundation to help out in the cause? 
So if you go to muledeer.org, I'd encourage everyone to become a member, and then you'll get our quarterly magazine to see what we do, and you'll get email alerts and stuff when we have volunteer days because we have had a few volunteer days during the summer. There's actually two fence um, modification days coming up on the 27th on both sides of the Bighorn Mountains, actually. And then there's going to be some more seed collection going on. So becoming a member is the easiest way to find that stuff out. If you're not a member, you can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram and see what we're doing. Or go to muledeer.org slash Wyoming, and it'll have all our events up there. And, of course, we always need more volunteers for holding these events as well. So if you want to help out, just give me a call or, you know, find me on muledeer.org. My number's on there. My email's on there. Um, and we can help, you know, get you involved. That way you know you, you know, will be contributing to the success of Mule Deer in the future. That's awesome. Well, Sean, you guys do so much and do appreciate it. Again, muledeer.org. Go over and check out the Wyoming chapter all over Facebook and beer and whiskey and deer. I don't think it gets any better than that, does it? Nope, sure doesn't. And we'll even have a bottle of that whiskey for sale. This year's Morty edition that just came out will be for sale at each event. So you could even pick that up if you want at those events. And um, we're also going to be doing some other releases later this fall. So keep your eye out. There'll be some more fun stuff to do. And yeah, hopefully everyone has a successful hunting season and, you know, is getting all sighted and everything for rifle and archery season. Awesome. Sean Blazak, Mule Deer Foundation, thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you for having us on, and we look forward to seeing everyone at the three launch parties slash Mule Deer Paloozas. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. Now, if you missed any of this show or any of our previous shows, you can hit us up on demand on the My Country 95.5 app. Next week, another great show, another great bout of interviews. 